Welcome to Cottonmouth Manchester, a podcast brought to you by Citico, the city centre management company for Manchester and Salford. I'm Vaughan Allen from Citico, and I'm here with Guy Ellingworth, the operations director. Uh, that's my title. Oh, see, I need to check these things. Of developers, you and I. You and I were the somewhat surprise winners of the competition to take on and redevelop Mayfield, the massive site to the northeast of the city, once a train station and parcel depot, but unused except for the occasional art event for many years. If you can hear slurping every so often, it's because we're enjoying a cup of tea in my office. That's, yeah. That's the laid-back podcast style, isn't it? Um, Guy, can you just tell us a little bit about you and I's background and history? Yeah, certainly. You and I um, came together just over two years ago. It was a, a formation of Development Securities PLC, who were a listed property developer investor, and a Cathedral Group, who were a southern-based uh, regeneration specialist. Came together, and our sort of desire is to be the best in class and to be the best regeneration company in the UK, specialising in key markets, um, those key markets being geographical rather than sector, with an emphasis on Manchester, which I would say first, uh, Dublin and London. Uh, and what other sites have they, have they been working on? Or have you been working on? Um, Manchester Mayfields are our first major development in Manchester. We've, uh, as individual companies, so as development securities, they bought the arena several years ago, uh, no longer involved in that, and have done several one-off developments throughout the city, but this is the biggest thing they'll have done in Manchester. Outside of Manchester, some large stuff throughout the UK, particularly in London, uh, Albert Embankment at the moment, a very interesting uh, regeneration scheme, scheme in, he in Hayes at the old vinyl factory, which is the home of EMI, uh, and a very large regeneration project in the centre of Brighton. So the Hayes one sounds not dissimilar to Mayfield, actually. It's very similar. It's very similar in ethos, it's very similar in content, uh, and it's very similar in, in hopefully success. Now, I met Richard, well, in fact, I met the chief execs of both, both halves of the company, <laughs> development, development securities and Cathedral as well. Uh, Richard, uh, who, who came from Cathedral, I mean, he has a very passionate belief in uh, what we call placemaking, I guess, but um, it, it seems to be what he sees as the natural way that a developer should be when they approach a site. I think it's the, I think everyone within the organisation has that passionate belief and we wouldn't be part of you and I if we didn't. Um, one of the, the strap lines, for want of a better word, that we use is that you'll know us by the places we create. That's not the buildings we create, although they will be amazing, it's the places. Uh, our view of life um, on an individual and on a corporate level is that places probably outlive buildings. So if you look historically, squares, streets always remain the same and buildings change. Um, we are here for a short period of time, you know, and it's important that whatever we do stands the test of time and is also um, a benefit to the future and helps the future and is there for people to enjoy going forward. So why were you and I interested in Mayfield? We, as part of our strategy, uh, one of the key elements of the strategy was those three core markets of Manchester, Dublin and, and, uh, and London, the city region that is. Um, Mayfield came onto the marketplace. It suits us. We... Um, as an organisation in, who are involved in placemaking, involved in long-term development, we wanted a site that we could put roots down, that we could be here for a long period of time, and that we could make a difference. Um, rather so, than so you didn't just want a building to, to develop and flip, effectively? No, I mean, we, have, we do that. The organisation does get involved in that, and that we, do, we are looking at opportunities of that, of that ilk. But I would have said the core bread and butter of the business is a regeneration company. Uh, and that a larger site that has the opportunities that Mayfield brings us are very rare 
to come along. And that you know, it's probably once in a generation of, of anyone's working environment that's going to come along and get that. Tell us a bit about the Mayfield site. Because lots of people have heard lots about it, I think, and particularly some of the pubs that are around <laughs> the area. Some people have gone to art events, and some people now will be going to Grub as well. Um, the size of the site? Uh, history? It, it's a big site. It's 24 to 26 acres, depending on how accurate you can measure. Um, it's 4% of the city centre, which is quite remarkable when it's been sat there for 30 years and relatively untouched. Um, it gives great opportunity. It's got some amazing heritage. So we've got the old depot, which is critical to us to retain. It's got the platform platforms above, which are still there and can form part of any heritage asset. The river runs through it, believe it or not. Um, the Medlock flows occasionally through and we want to open that up. Um, its accessibility is as good as any site you're going to get. You know, we're, we are minutes, if not seconds, away from Piccadilly uh, and all of that, all of that brings. Um, we're currently working through our exact content. Um, to be dull and boring. There is a strategic regeneration framework in existence for the site that sets out a development framework of 80,000 square meters of commercial accommodation, 1,300 homes, new park, etc., etc. We're looking at that. Uh, we're reviewing that against what we think is right and proper for the scheme. The park will be an intrinsic part of what we do. Retention of the Mayfield Depot is an intrinsic part of what we do. And we're going through a a period of investigation and self-reflection to ensure that the proposals that we come forward with and start to work up and start to hopefully bring to life um, are befitting our ambitions for the site. So how long have you actually owned the bit that you now own? Well, it's an interesting, um, it's an interesting concept of ownership. We've, the, the, um, the whole ethos behind the development was a joint venture with the Mayfield Partnership, who are the City Council, Transport for Greater Manchester and London Continental Railways. They own 50% of the partnership that we've created, so a limited partnership has been, has been uh, put together, and that was, that was completed in December, I think it was the 19th, I think it was just before we all went away. So it's we've... amazing how many partnerships are completed just <laughs> before Christmas. Christmas is always a good deadline, <laughs> Christmas and summer holidays. Um, so we've, be, we've had our feet under the table in reality for the best part of six to seven months now. Obviously, there's a period of time post signing any documents where you're just getting to know each other and getting things forward. But we're in, we're in early stages of it. The partnership works very well. Um, and we've created things already in that partnership, which is always refreshing. So you're sort of working through the thoughts, you know what the targets will be and broadly what you want to see as part of the content, but how that's actually all going to fit together in practice over the next 10, 15, 20 years. Uh, you're still working through. Yeah, we know we know the component parts. We know that there will be a large part there, probably more than one large part. There could be a number. There will be a large element of housing. We know there'll be a large element of commercial space. We know there'll be a large element of leisure opportunity space. Um, it's how those components fit together and how those components are made up. So scale, massing, volume, types, all of those things we are interrogating our previous thoughts, the SRF thoughts, and over the next few months they, they will be, um, we'll address that ourselves and then we can, we've got more of a clear steer on where we see the vision going. But we, master planning is always quite, I find a restrictive term because people then judge what you've created at that point in time. We're creating a brief, a master brief for the site probably. Will you, will you try and keep that 
element of flexibility even as buildings start to go up and developments start to happen? I think it's difficult to keep flexibility within the individual buildings you start to build in. That use is pretty much set. Um, I think the ability to flex and change a, a plan and a vision through a period of time, 5, 10, 15 years, however long it takes to deliver the whole, the whole vision, then that's entirely sensible. You know, you, it's overly restrictive to say on day one in 2017, these blocks will, will be like this in 2025. There has to be an ability to change as the city changes, as places change, as people change. You talked about it being five minutes, probably less actually, um, from the centre of the city, but it's actually an area that's pretty well ignored. People get to uh, Piccadilly Station and they, they stop effectively and they turn into Piccadilly Station. Um, so alongside any work that you're doing within the development, you've got to consider its place within the city and within the city centre as well. What are your thoughts on that? I think it's very important. We, um, we got quite preoccupied in the bid stage of how we get people to turn left as they come out of Piccadilly Station. Um, I think it goes beyond that. I think when you, you sit and you interrogate everything around this, it's how you get people from the city as well as people from the station to Mayfield. Um, it is incredibly convenient. I think that the fact that it has it, its, its doors have been shut and it's effectively turned its back on the city and it effectively has been, to some extent, an area that's forgotten about, ignored, has left that legacy of, oh, I don't really know where that is or I don't really know how to get there. Once you start to break that cycle, um, the mindset changes. And we've seen that happen with Grub, uh, which we, we'll, we can discuss in more detail. We've seen it happen with the International Festival having two events there this year. We have seen it happen with people just coming and visiting the site. Um, it needs a lot more work. You know, our, our master planning, our, our vision for the site will not just be linked to the, the red line around the edge of what we own. We need to look at how we interact with other, other users within the city, other operations in the city, how we act with transport, how we, how we act with people to get them to site and make it become what it should be and as part of the heart of the city. And one of the issues, because you talked about uh, a significant number of homes in there as well. When we, we're building a huge number of flats, in the city centre, most of which are going to be occupied by people actually coming into the city from elsewhere. Uh, and I know some academics have almost referred to it as a new town that's been created in the city over the last 10 years. Um, I'd get the sense that you're not necessarily going to follow the, the same path. I think, um, could we be categorical on that today? Probably not. Our vision isn't to do an identikit scheme of everything else that's gone in the city. You know, I think knowing us by the places we create probably gives a big clue, uh, and we are interrogating that. I think you know, our vision for this, and you'll have seen through some of the, some of the um, media coverage that we've undertaken, um, the poem that we had uh, our kid uh, write for us, where we want to be a home for everybody. If we are going to achieve that and be a home for everybody, and that Mayfield is accessible to all part of the city or people within the city, then we must offer a variety of, of accommodation, um, not just in residential, but also in commercial uh, and also in, in other uses that is accessible and covers all needs in the city and doesn't just fit one box. And the thing we're crying out for in the, in the city centre is for those people who come here as late 20s, early 30s, for that sort of first family, second family home 
to be able to move into. We still haven't got that, despite another 20,000-odd units that are planned to go up. I, I, I agree. I don't think we have. Um, it goes wider. There needs to be further provision for those families. So there needs to be, I know we all, all always talk about schools, hospitals, etc., etc. Um, that needs to be addressed in some format. Um, I don't see that being something that can't be addressed, and I think it will as the city matures. If you look back in you know, the last 25 years, the growth of population in the city has been unbelievable. If you, 25 years ago, there was a few hundred people. Um, to where we are now, it's a completely different city. Um, and it's right that we're probably entering another phase of development, another phase of change, and we should identify that. Um, we get that, we get that there's, it gets to a certain age and you look to move out of the city on a personal level and, and a professional level, that's not good for the long term and the longevity of the city. And I guess, it, I mean, that's, you're right when you talk about, uh, I think in 1990 there were less than 100 people living in the city centre. Councillor Carney is always very good on this because he was one of the first to live in the Northern Quarter. Uh, so we'll always quote the figures very well. Um, but it's one of those things that's affected so much. I mean, when we have a conversation around um, the absence of, say, a Michelin star restaurant or whatever it would be, uh, you compare to European cities where people have always lived in the city centre, we're a very young city and we're a very young city centre. And then that next generation thing is actually enabling people to live here their entire lives. So you've got to have the facilities for that, but you've got to have the homes for it and you've got to have the infrastructure for it as well. Yeah, when I, when I started work here in 1987... Uh, I couldn't buy, so you could find it hard to buy a sandwich. Now you can't walk five yards and, without being able to buy anything you want. So the city has developed and changed massively in a relatively short period of time, um, and it will continue to do so. But to, do, to become a true world city um, would help if we had a bit more sunshine, but there's nothing we can do about that. You have to appeal to every age group. So I don't think, I don't think the age group stops at being able to make sure that people, when they finish their their sort of uh, youthfulness and want to have children, they want to stay in the city, but also there's a need to, to retain people in the city and get people to come back to the city when they get um, to our age, Vaughan, which is... <laughs> 35-ish, yeah. No, I mean, one of the interesting things that actually has happened, which I think wasn't in any way planned or predicted, um, was the number of empty, empty nesters who've actually moved out, particularly to areas like Castlefield, which have a bit of water and a bit of greenery, um, and either as a second home or selling up their family home and moving back into the city because they want to be within walking distance of theatres and cinemas and so on. Um, and I don't think anybody particularly predicted that when those flats went up. So there is an interesting mix in demographics already that's, that's probably not seen and taken into account too much. Yeah, I don't think it's... I don't think the... Uh... I don't think it's a city that's just occupied and lived in by people who are 18 to 28 or 32. I think there, there, is a, there, is, there are families living in the city, there are empty nesters living in the city. Um, but we need to provide a variety of accommodation that allows uh, a greater number of all those sectors. Um, vitality is always brought about by having variation. And the more we can have, the wider span of people we can have within living in the city centre working in the city centre, having leisure time in the city centre is only a good thing. Um, and that's incumbent upon developers, planners, city fathers to ensure that those things occur over a period of time. And mothers. And mothers, city yes, mothers. Yeah. Um, I mean, you talk about leisure facilities and the first brilliant PR move that you did was to save the famous pub, of course, <laughs> in Mayfield. Um, so t talk us through the thinking behind that. Star and Garter. Um, 
I've been going to Star and Garter for far too many years, so that's probably... Um, so it was a personal decision? No, it? it wasn't a personal decision, but it's an iconic building. Um, we always felt it should be retained, uh, as we always felt the Mayfield Station should be retained. Um, we, you know, we see ourselves as custodians of what's there, and heritage is very important. Um, we went to see Andy very quickly after being appointed, had a chat with him. Uh, he explained what he wanted to do, we explained what we were trying to do, both fit the bill, and hopefully he'll continue to trade as long as he wants to trade there. Um, he's a good advocate of ours. Um, I think he had a concert there a few weeks ago. People wanted something to eat, so he sent them around the corner to Grub, which is great. And I notice, you don't have to comment on this, that other developers are now picking up the idea that if you save the pub, then it really does help in public perceptions. <laughs> Um, so you're six, seven months underway since you signed that contract just before Christmas. Um, so what's underway at the moment? You've talked about Grub. Yeah, we, we immediately, we wanted to deliver something um, to show that we meant what we were saying. So we've um, found a piece of the site that was relatively easy to deliver some temporary use. Um, we have cleared that part of the site. We have put uh, temporary uses on there for Grub, so Grub have got a home. Um, we've then created a timber frame building above there that will have two floors of offices. One floor will be our office, so we're going to move from our current office so that we're on site. So we've got a project office and we've got a home there. We can put our roots down. And then we're going to have a space that we are going to use as co-working space for young entre entrepreneurs. Um, we're just about to finalise our brief for that and how we're going to go about attracting people and probably selecting people and try and work with people. So that will, we want to try and make that a vibrant space. Um, Mayfield was, has always had a history of um, technology, for want of a better word, Hoyles, printing press. We want to reinvigorate that. So we want to create space that can lead to new invention, to entrepreneurship to excitement uh, and we felt it's important to try and do that straight away so we have run us up very quickly uh, it's been hard work um, Bailey at Grubb's been fabulous because he wanted to, we wanted to open early and he's opened up a little bit earlier than the buildings have been finished so he's been a little bit inconvenienced with temporary toilets temporary power but it's worked and he's um, worked hard with us um, all of those little teething problems are almost out of the way and we're hoping that within the next week he's got a fully functioning site. We'll still be building the building, um, but that should be finished um, towards the end of this month and then we can start fitting out the inside. Uh, and then, so within seven months, we'll have created two and a half thousand square feet of pretty spectacular timber-framed um, offices um, that have a fabulous panoramic view over the whole site. Um, ground floor open space for the public. Grub obviously operating on a Friday, Saturday and Sunday. And we've been working with uh, the Green Health Alliance to look at, provide, to create some garden areas so we create a bit of green space. One of our, one of our you know, staples in our master plan is the, is the delivery of green space and delivery of a park. So we felt it would be fitting in a very early stage to open up the site, have some green space there. Uh, it's not green at the moment, but it will be. And community gardens as well? Yeah, part of it is part of the... I mean, we're working with GHA, who are a community group, and, they're, and they're, they've done some, some really, really interesting uh, work with community So elements. they're going to be involved for a, a few years, rather yeah, they, than just sort of planted three months? Absolutely, their involvement is a rolling involvement, and we want to take that, take, 
and work with them. Um, the community garden prospect is is very exciting. You know, it's the, the the city does like green space. Um, people have different views of green space. We need to understand what everyone's view of green space is. Um, but to be able to provide something that the community can get involved in is is very exciting for us. And how's Grub been doing? Great. They they they've you know it's busy. If you go there on a Friday evening on a Saturday, it's very very busy. Um, Sunday they've been doing a vegan um, day working with GHA to do some uh, called Plant Powered Sundays, which if you've not been, you need to go, um, where they interact with, with, with kids about growing vegetables, building bug houses, building bird tables, and, it, uh, and that's proven to be very popular. So, yeah, numbers are, numbers are pretty solid. It's, very, it's a great place to go on a Friday and Saturday. And how long is that going on for? Is it going into September? They'll be going into October on site. Um, obviously, as the weather changes then it being outside isn't ideal and we have a dialogue with them about what we do through the winter um, and hopefully we can structure something. Um, a couple of weeks ago, they, they, when it clashed with the festival, they moved into a couple of the arches we've got on Temperance Street and that performed very well. So we've got options to see what we do when the weather turns cold, if it ever turns warm. Yeah, we had summer back in May. It was great. Um, then after the co-working space... What are the next projects within the site? The big project, the big, the big work stream is coming up with the revision of the uh, strategic re regeneration framework, which will set down essentially the components of the of the site and how we deliver those components. And that's a big body of work. The team are working very, very hard on it. Um, that's ongoing. That will work through early part of the autumn, uh, and then there'll be a formal proposal made. To the, to the city council after we've done our period, uh, some period of, of consultation, uh, we do have other structures on the building. So we have other, uh, sorry, other buildings on the site. Some of those we can use for temporary uses. We've got a range of beautiful arches that sit on Temperance Street, and we're currently reviewing. You know, can, is there something we can deliver in those spaces that brings further elements of worthwhile use, further elements of, our, of um, activation, um, rather than just relying on what we've done on Bering Street. Um, that work's ongoing and it's proving very positive at this point in time. So in all of this, while, while the thinking is going on, you're developing a number of projects which are attracting footfall in the meanwhile. Um, and I guess getting people used to just the idea that this site, which has had very little footfall, except for very special events over the last 25... No, it's longer than 25 years, isn't it? Since years. the mid-60s or mm. so. so yeah. um, you know, to get people to start to use it. So... You've, you've got you as well, you've got the fire station, which obviously we're also seeing some action at and is gradually moving from a sort of ad hoc or event-based form to what its final form may be. Um, so there's things starting to happen in an area of the city which hasn't been abandoned, but certainly has been somewhat neglected over the last few decades. Um, during that time, uh, has there been a sort of accretion of, of issues which can affect you negatively? Um, from the outside, um, and there are still quite a few uh, other neglected buildings that need to be picked up. So I guess what I'm really asking is, is it can be great what you do, it can be great what the fire station does, but how do you deal with those sort of spaces between and the space to the city centre and making sure that that works and people want to use it all the time? I think you've got to be, you've got to be brave. You've got to look to try and improve activation, improve footfall. Um, you know, look, we, we're no different than any other part of the city that's been neglected. We have some antisocial issues, but those antisocial issues are changing. 
because there's activity. So if you went down there the first couple of times and we weren't on site, there was more antisocial issues than there are now when you've got eight lads there working every day and on a Friday, Saturday, you've got several thousand people over the weekend coming down. So pure visibility, people being there are helping. Um, there are spaces on the periphery of the main site that we need to address. Um, the work that's gone on elsewhere in the city centre has been great. And I think it's, you know, there's more than just the fire station. You've got campus being delivered on Whitworth Street. You know, Motel One coming on London Road has, has made what is quite a difficult stretch more attractive. So there are other elements. McDonald Hotels are a big anchor and they've got ideas of doing further work there. So I think we've got, there are elements of site on the proof McDonald Hotel are on their knees thanking you for starting the work and, and Mike at the fire station as well, having been rather out on their own for the past 10 years or so. I think, I think that works both ways. You know, the work that they've, those guys have done on both those have, do, do help to create the location and instead of it, people going, oh, where is it? You know, it's, it's across the road from London Road, it's behind McDonald Hotel. So I think there's a lot of working together to ensure, you know, what's good for one party is going to be good for everyone else. Now, there's been uh, a lot of contro controversy, to say the least, over consultation around developments in the sea. Um, so how are you and I working to keep people on side or, or involve them in the process? Yep, it's a big part of what we do. Um, we, virtually the day we were appointed, and we probably started it just before we were appointed, we undertook off our own back a consultation exercise, relatively limited, but we wanted to get to know the issues of varying groups in the city. So we had local residents in, in Ardwick, we had in Brunswick, we had um, people living in the city, people just working in the city, people visiting the city. And we did uh, a couple of days of quite informal uh, outreach. So we went to see them, uh, got their general consensus of the elements that they would like to see within the scheme. Not in a, not in a micro level, more in a macro level, which pretty much sat where we were thinking um, and that formed the basis of our thought process today and how we pull things together. Um, we're obviously progressing our SRF proposals. Um, we will be undertaking a large public consultation. Uh, it's at our core, if you look at everything that you and I have done, people and consultation with people and being involved in people is, is, is at its heart. You know, said earlier, a home for everyone. We can't really do that if we don't go out and engage with people early. Um, it's, it's important to us. It's important that, as I said earlier, we, you know, we're creating places, we're creating buildings. Um, we will be here and we will see this right through to its, to its completion. Sometime at the, in the future, we aren't there anymore. We're not the developer. Someone else is left to manage the spaces and people are left to live and work in those spaces. And it's important that the population who are going to utilise and the population who have been here longer and will be here for longer than we are have an involvement in the decisions that are made now, not later down the line. Now, the recent CityCo event where you talked about consultation, you actually said, um, we're not going to just put up panels in drafty church halls. And I retweeted that and I got a very polite abuse from people who pointed out that their church halls weren't drafty and were full of people and that would be a very good place to do it. Um, has it surprised you? Because as well as the consultation you've been doing, there have been a number of other groups that have actually done stuff on the, on the, off their own back because of their view of the importance of Mayfield about what it could do and done some hacks around it and so on. Has it surprised you the amount of passion and involvement from people around? Surprise is, is um, probably the wrong word. Uh, the level 
of interest and the level of people putting a lot of their own time in and a lot of thought into it has yeah, probably it's very detailed. It's not it's somebody just detailed. writing a letter, is it? No, it's very, very detailed. It's very well considered. Um, it's well put together and we will engage with all parties when we're at the time to engage with all parties. Um, we keep a weather eye on everything that's going on. Um, we need the time to come up with our proposals and once we've done, with, done that and we've got a firm yes, this is where we feel we're going, we will engage. And that engagement, it will be an engagement. It's not going to be... I think I was probably misinterpreted. I probably wasn't misquoted when I said that. But what, what I meant was we're not going to be going and saying, ta-da, this is it. It will be a, an engagement, a two-way street, for want of a better word. We will set out what we th- where we're going, the journey we're on, but we want people to feed in... Are they happy with that journey? You know, is it the journey going the right way? What's their views on it? So we can tear that away, similar to it, and make sure we deliver the best in class. And there's a communications job to do to keep people engaged and to keep people sort of on side all during that process, isn't there? Because they're not going to get everything that they want, and people will argue amongst themselves anyway. Yeah, no, this isn't it, this isn't a a two day event in whatever month it is. This is a constantly ongoing process. Um, Due, you know, before, during, and after, um, we, you know, we take communication very, very, very uh, seriously, um, and we're involved in it on an almost daily basis. You know, we, we, you know, we're using social media heavily. We are engaged with all of our occupiers at Grub, um, and we'll continue to do that. Um, now, for you, if everything goes well, what would you like to see on that site in ten years' time? Me personally, yeah. Um, I'd like to see a very, I'd like to see a world-class, world-class piece of regeneration. I'd like my ideal is some kid sat in Seattle, or Oslo, or Tanzania, going. I want to go to Manchester because I want to go to Mayfield because it's got this unbelievable park, uh, it's got this unbelievable vibe. Rather than I want to go to Manchester because I want to see United play or City play, or go and, go and visit where the Hacienda used to be. I want it to set new standards for the city and put it very much on the world map. Uh, I also want it to be very much of Manchester. I want it to be for the people of Manchester um, and it to be a beacon for social improvement, both on employment and in people's lives. If we achieve all of that over the next however many years... You, know, you can retire happy at that point, can you? Yeah, probably. 20 years <laughs> if later. If I last that long. <laughs> um, and then finally, how can people find out more? Usual channels, um, websites, www.mayfieldmanchester.co.uk and you know, usual Facebook, Instagram and, uh, and Twitter feeds. Thank you very much. Pleasure. Thanks to Guy. And we'll undoubtedly be talking more about Mayfield in the future. Next up, we have Lou Cordwell of Magnetic North talking about her journey as an entrepreneur. If you have any comments or ideas for things to cover in the future, you can talk to us on Twitter at CottonmouthMCR or through email at podcasts at citygo.com. Cottonmouth Manchester is available on iTunes, Acast and SoundCloud or direct from the source at citygo.com backslash podcasts. Please leave a review, give us some likes if you like what you hear. Until next time. (laughs) 